1: Boy, do I love this text. It's a beautiful text, and gosh, it's so wonderful to study the Word of God. Amen, saints? Because you just see stuff, and you get blessed by stuff. You know, as I was uh, preparing for this Bible study, I revisited all of my my Bible studies. Do you know that—now, I told you when we first started this study— that we were going to be going through the book of Matthew, and I told you we'd probably have about 85 Bible studies before we finish the entire book. You remember I told you that? Raise your hand if you do. Okay, raise your hand if you're breathing. All right, good. Okay, good. There's someone dead right there. Would you uh, resuscitate? Um, <laughs> And so I told you, <laughs> I told you 85 Bible studies. Well, get this, Matthew chapter 15, this this last part, actually it's not the last part, but Matthew 15, this is our 60th Bible study in the gospel of Matthew. So I think we're going to exceed that 85 Bible study thing and we'll probably be in Matthew until the second coming of Jesus. And uh, so, oh, well, <laughs> Um But, you know, here we're talking about great faith and the Bible has a lot to say about faith. Got a pen? The Bible has a lot to say. Got a pad? A lot to say about faith. The Bible talks about weak faith. The Bible talks about dead faith, strong faith, precious faith, common faith, unphony faith. That would be unfeigned. The Bible uses the word. Working faith obedient faith, the gift of faith. Hey, the Bible talks about demon faith. Demons have faith? (laughs) Absolutely. So the Bible has a lot to say about faith. There's many kinds of faith. But in our text, Jesus is talking about a woman who had great faith. Look at Matthew 15, verse 28. Then Jesus said to her, O woman, great is your faith. Faith, I like that. Do you know this is the second time and the last time that Jesus will use this phrase great faith? Talking here to a Gentile woman, talk more about her in just a minute. And the other time he used this word great faith, he was talking to get this a Gentile man. Both times he said these people had great faith. They were both to Gentiles. The other time was in Matthew chapter eight. You remember the the Roman centurion. He came and he said, "Jesus, he said, I've got a servant who's paralyzed." And and he said, he said, "You can if you just speak a word." He said, remember, he said, Jesus, he said, I understand authority. He said, because I'm a man under authority. So I understand authority. And Jesus, you have the authority. Jesus, if you would just speak a word and my servant shall be healed. And Jesus said, I have not found so great a faith in all of Israel. Not found this kind of faith in all of Israel among my own people. Two times in the Bible, Jesus says great faith. And he says both times to a Gentile. He's going to talk about great faith to a Gentile woman who came to him with great faith. We're going to talk about three things and how she came to him. Number one, she came to him in desperation. Got a pen? She came to him in desperation. We're going to find that in verse 22. She came in desperation. And then she also came in adoration. You'll find that in verse 25. And then she came to him in humiliation. In verse 26 and 27. She came in desperation, she came in adoration, and she came in humiliation. That's what we're going to talk about this morning. Matthew chapter 15, pick up our study in verse 21. Saints, if you're there, say amen. Amen. Then Jesus went out from there in verse 21, and he departed to the region of Tyre and Sidon. And behold, a woman of Canaan came from that region, and she cried out to him, saying, Have mercy on me, O Lord, son of David. My daughter is severely demon-possessed. And he answered her, This is interesting, not a word. And his disciples came and urged him, saying, Send her away, for she cries out after us. But he answered and said, I was not sent except to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. And then she came and she worshiped him saying, Lord, help me. Would you underline that? And that's beautiful. Lord, help me. But he answered and said, it is not good to take the children's bread and to throw it to the little dogs. And she said, yes, Lord. Yet even the little dogs eat the crumbs which fall from their master's table. And then Jesus answered and said to her, O oh woman, great is your faith. Let it be. Du- let it be to you as you desire. And her daughter was healed that very hour. Stop right there. Give me your attention. Last week, if you were with us, you know we left Jesus rebuking the scribes and the Pharisees who had come to interrogate him because the disciples didn't wash their hands according to the tradition of the elders. Not according to the tradition of God, but according to the tradition of the elders, the disciples did not wash their hands. And so they came to give Jesus a hard time about that. Needless to say, Jesus is not making any friends about this time. Matter of fact. The hostility is growing. And so Jesus leaves the area of Galilee and he went, notice in verse 21, to Tyre and Sidon. And when he arrives there, a woman comes to him for the healing of her daughter. Now, Tyre and Sidon, two Phoenician cities, pagan cities, 50 miles northwest of the Galilee along the coast. This is complete Gentile area. Today on your map, it is modern day Lebanon. This is an area where the Jewish people hated anyone from this area. As a matter of fact, if you were Jewish and you walked into this area for any reason, when you came back into Jewish area, you would have to take off your Nikes, knock them on the side of the road. This is prior to entering the Jewish area. Knock, it, knock off the dust off of your shoes, put them back on, and then keep walking. Almost like getting rid of Gentile cooties. We don't want any Gentile cooties in our country. Jewish people hated people from Tyra and Sidon. And so... Interesting enough, this is the first time in Jesus' public ministry that he leaves Israel and goes to a foreign land. Isn't that interesting? So Israel rejected him now, and now he steps over the boundaries of Israel and begins to receive all people. This is where, if you will, the gospel is now going out to the entire world. Because remember in Matthew eleven twenty eight, 28, Jesus said, Come unto me all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. And now that ministry is broadening, and that ministry is now being fulfilled as Jesus goes into a pagan area. And so when he gets into the area, he comes into this Gentile area. Matthew, pardon me, Mark chapter 7 tells us that he went into a house. Remember I told you the parallel stories here are found in Mark chapter 7 with Matthew chapter 15. So when he gets in this area, he actually goes into a house. And this woman comes to him, point number one, she came to him in desperation. Notice she comes to Jesus crying and saying, have mercy on me, O Lord, son of David, my little girl is severely demon-possessed. Now, I found that interesting. I I don't even know why. Severely demon-possessed. What does that mean? I mean, is there a Lesser demon possession in terms of severity. I mean, is she severely? I mean, can you be a little bit demon possessed and not so much demon possessed or a whole lot? I don't know. But apparently this woman, she comes to Jesus and she says, my daughter, out of pain, out of, out of, out of agony, she says, my daughter is demon possessed. Lord, would you have mercy on me? Now, interesting. She says, have mercy on me. Isn't that interesting to you? I would have thought she would have said, have mercy on my daughter. But she said, Lord, have mercy on me. Why? Well, I think it's as simple as this. Because every parent, every parent, and if you're a parent, you know this. Every parent knows there is no pain so great as to see your child in pain. Isn't that true, parents? Say amen. Isn't that true? I mean, it's almost like when your kids suffer, you would rather it be you then, it, then that, there's no pain so great as to see your children suffer. It's hard to see your kids in pain. And what we have here is a mom who's agonizing because her little girl is being tormented by demons. And any loving parent would would would, would, would as I'm sure this mom, she had done all she could to help her. She probably took her from doctor to doctor, from specialist to specialist, only to hear the same thing. Ma'am, sorry, we can't help you. I'm sure she tried alternative medicine. Maybe she tried all the herbs. You know, every culture goes through that. There's one healing herb for all its sicknesses. I remember the time it was echinacea. You know, if you have a headache, take echinacea. You know, you got bruises, take echinacea. Poison ivy, echinacea. Everything was echinacea. You remember that time. Every culture, every era has their their herbs. And maybe she had hers. And maybe she tried them all and nothing. She tried everything. Jesus is her last hope. Jesus is her only hope. Now, keep in mind, the fame of Jesus had spread throughout the land. So I'm confident that that she heard about this man from Galilee who had been healing. She heard about the love. She heard about the compassion. She heard about the fact that he was coming to town and she sought him out. And so he comes to town, he gets in the house, and I'm sure this mom, like any mom, she's probably thinking, What am I going to say to him when he gets there? When I get to him, what am I going to say? She probably is headed, remember, we're 50 miles northwest of Israel, and she's probably headed toward him, and she probably is thinking, How am I going to say it? She's probably rehearsing it. Now, how am I going to say it? Son of, let me see, let me give it a try. Son of David. Have mercy on me. No, 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 that's not right. That's not good. Uh, maybe a uh, son of David. Have mercy on me. No, no, that's too much. That's over the top. No, he won't hear me there. Oh, but let me try it again. Maybe a uh, son, son of David. Have, she's like any mom. I need healing. I need help. I need hope for my children. And finally she gets there and she's standing outside. And with all the emotion she has, I'm sure she blurted out, Son of David, have mercy on me. And then, did you notice the text? Jesus ignored her. What? He ignored her. Now, understand something. This woman had every reason not to come to Jesus. You know, people say, well, I don't come to him for this reason, and I don't come to him for that reason, and I don't come to Jesus for this, that, and the other. Listen, this woman had every reason not to come to Jesus. First of all, her sex was against her. She was a woman. The Orthodox Jews, get this, they taught, and they used to pray daily. Daily. God, I thank you, I'm not a Gentile, a dog, or a woman. And that's what they would pray. We would never pray that these days. Right, fellas? Amen. Yeah, amen. But in those days, women were considered property. Feminist today, they accuse Christianity of being hostile toward women. Do you know that Jesus has been the greatest liberator of women and the greatest elevator of all people? Say amen if you knew that. And I'm amazed at how many people, they, you know, well, Jesus is against women and Paul, that male chauvinist pig. The Bible's against women and the feminists. You know, Jesus is the greatest liberator and the greatest elevator of all people. Galatians chapter three, verse 28. It says, there is neither Jew nor Greek. It's on the screen. Read it with me, would you? There is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither slave nor free. There is neither male nor female for you are all one in Christ. Man, I love that. Because the Lord lifts up people The Lord elevates people. The Lord frees people. There's no difference. That's why I love this church. I tell you all the time. Because in this church, I see that there's neither Jew nor Greek. There's neither male nor female. There's neither black nor white. There's neither barbarian or Scythian. As other scripture says, we are all one in Christ. And that's what I love about Calvary Chapel the most. Is that there's all kinds of folks at this church Black people, white people, Italian people, uh, uh, Hispanic people, Asian people. There are all kinds of people here. And that's what the kingdom of God should look like. Amen, saints? There's no, you know, there's no differences. But in that culture, women were different. Women were considered property. And this woman, she had a reason not to come to Jesus. Secondly, not only was she a woman, but also she was a Gentile. The Jews hated the Gentiles. The Jews considered Gentiles dogs and fodder for the flames of hell. Not only was she a woman and a Gentile, but she was also, did you get that? A Canaanite. She was a Canaanite. Now, you know the Canaanites were enemies of Israel. God told Joshua, when you go in the land, destroy them all. And they didn't, apparently, because this woman is right here in Matthew 15. She's a Canaanite. So she had a reason not to come. Matthew, Mark, cha- pardon me, Mark chapter 7 tells us that she was a Syrophoenician woman. What's that? That means she was half and half. She was a half-breed. She was half Syrian and half Phoenician. The Canaanites, they were awful people. They worshiped all kinds of idols. They were very evil and practiced very evil practices. And so God told the people to destroy them. So this woman, she's an outcast. She's a pagan living in a pagan place, which then makes her faith even greater. And her desperation causes her to cross the ethnic and gender boundaries that were plainly not to be crossed in those days. So, this woman, being a Canaanite, probably worshiping false gods. Isn't it interesting that she comes to Jesus? Interesting. Well, that tells me what? I think you know is true. You know, the world knows that their gods can't help them. The world knows when it all comes down to it, in the midst of trial and testing and suffering and tribulation and real life problems, who do they come to? Christians. How many times people, well, I'm not a believer in God, but, uh, you know, if you could, like, throw up one of those prayers for me, that would be cool, you know. If you could talk to the man upstairs, you know, the big kahuna, you know, for, you know talk to the kahuna for me, you know, throw up one. You know, Why? Because they know, look, they've been worshiping Mohammed. They've been worshiping Hare Krishna. They've been worshiping Buddha and whoever else they've been worshiping. But when it all comes down to it, Jesus is the only hope for mankind. And deep, 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 deep down inside, everybody knows it. Isn't that interesting? This Canaanite pagan worshiping woman, she comes to Jesus. He's her last hope. In desperation, she came to him. And so, this woman, she's crying to Jesus. The disciples say, "Did you get that in the text? Look at it again." The disciples say, "Get rid of her." Now, what is wrong with them? I, I am amazed at the disciples. See, people look at the disciples. I, as I study the Gospels, I am convinced the disciples—they were like average joes. And matter of fact, they were—they were, they were kind of sick. They, they had problems. They needed something medication or something, something is wrong. I mean, this woman, I mean, she's crying to Jesus. Jesus, help me. You're my only hope. Oh, Jesus. And the disciples say to him, Jesus, get rid of her. They're always sending people away. Remember in chapter 14, they came, the people were hungry, and the the disciples said, Jesus, send them home for their lunch. And here we are in chapter 15, and they say, Jesus, send her away. She's bugging us. She's getting on our our nerves. She is a pain to us. And Jesus turned notice to them and said, I was sent to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. And and notice, I believe this woman probably standing there, she probably heard what Jesus said to his disciples. She probably heard that. I've come to, to Israel first. And so she's thinking, man, I'm a woman, I'm a Gentile, I'm a Canaanite, I'm living in a pagan territory, I've asked for help, he doesn't answer, and now the disciples, they say, get rid of me. And now he says he's only come for the lost people of the house of Israel. So she's probably feeling a bit discouraged right now, but notice her persistence. Point number two, she came to him in adoration. Look at verse 25 again. She came and worshiped him and said, Lord, Help me. Did you notice at first she appeals to Jesus as the Son of David, which is a messianic title used by the Jews? But now she says, Lord, Master. Notice she's not saying Messiah. She's saying, master. In other words, she's saying, Lord, listen, I don't need to be blessed like the Jews. I just need a touch from your hand on my life. And with tears streaming down her face, she said, Lord, help me. This is a beautiful, beautiful prayer. And this is real worship and real adoration. You know, someone once said the demon drove her to Jesus. So she parked at his feet. Don't you love that? The demon drove her to Jesus and she parked at his feet. This is real prayer. This is real spiritual, deep theological prayer. Lord, help me. Doesn't that sound like Peter on the water? You remember? He said, Lord, save me. You see, prayer does not have to be a a lot of deep spiritual, spiritual theological words. You know, the strength of prayer is not in the length of prayer. The strength of prayer has nothing to do with the words. It has nothing to do with the position of your body. I know when we were kids, you are all taught to pray. When you pray, get on your knees, put your hands together like this, and talk to Jesus. And we grow up thinking, well, we got to be on our knees with our hands like this and talk to Jesus. Now, that's not what the Bible says. Man, the Bible says, hey, you can pray anytime. You can pray standing, sitting, driving. Just don't close your eyes. <laughs> you can pray anytime, anywhere, any place. And, and and God hears you. And notice the simple prayer Lord help me. You see, when you need the Lord, don't worry about the proper presentation or the right words. God doesn't speak in the King James English. If you knew that, say amen. You know, people get caught up in, you know, Father, we thankest thee as thou beholdest the cries of all thine creation. And so in your benevolence, magnificence, in the splendor of whoest thou art, have mercy upon my situation. It's like, well, no wonder nothing's happening. God's got to move on. I mean, he's in. <laughs> How about, Lord, help me? How about that? And the Lord will help you. There's no formula. There's no right position. Don't worry about the formulas. Be concerned with worship and adoration. Because worship works where formulas fail. Amen, saints? Worship works. And Jesus comes, j- just as this woman, she comes to to Jesus in simplicity. Not in rituals and not in religion and not in churchianity. Churchianity. There's a right way to pray and a wrong way to pray. No, she said, Lord, help me. And Jesus said, it's not right to take the children's bread, Israel, and give it to the dogs. Now, is Jesus calling this woman names? Is he calling her names? I don't think so. You know, you know this. As times change, words change. You know, I remember when I was... Coming up as a kid, I remember that, um, and, and these were people that, that, that I hung around with. I would never say this. But but they would look at a girl who was not cute, and they would call her a dog. Now, I would never say that. I have never said that. That was them. You understand, right? <laughs> so they call her a dog. And, and so now times change. Things change. People change. And today, the word dog It's a common greeting. I mean, today the word talk, people today, I've heard kids say, what's up, dog? Today now the word talk, I'm just amazed at how the words change over time.
0: You have been listening to Salt and Light, a radio outreach ministry of Pastor Rodney Finch and Calvary Chapel, Cary, located in Apex, North Carolina. Join Pastor Rodney Monday through Friday at this same time.